This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 246. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. That's your cue, Jacob. I'm not your host, Jacob Paulson. No, no you, dude, you oh, have guy who? you I have completely one. forgotten what we used okay, to do. Hold on, hold on. The shtick. Say it, again. Say it again. I am your host, Riley Bowman. Riley is the man who cleans his guns during company meetings. Yes, my shotgun sure. right here. This morning, yep. <laughs> Although it hasn't been cleaned yet. I was getting, you know, I, I got it out. I wasn't cleaning during the meeting, although I have cleaned you during have meetings. You have cleaned yeah. plenty of guns during meetings. Yeah, yeah it's true. Well, it's a perfect time, you know. We're just sitting there talking about stuff. Sure. I, I have to, like, play with something in my hands when, I, when I'm when i doing things. You probably have figured that out. Yeah. G- and I'm Jacob Paulson. <laughs> and Jacob is the guy who has to wear hearing protection when he vacuums his floors. It's true. I don't. I don't see what's wrong with that. I I I accept that it's probably unusual, that it's that's unique, but I I don't feel like weird or awkward or like embarrassed by the fact that I I put on hearing protection to vacuum. Okay, those on Facebook right now, or if you're listening podcast, you can send us an email. I want to know if there's anybody else out there that thinks using hearing protection while vacuuming is is weird. Or if you yourself also do it, we'd like to hear that too. Jacob would like to hear that. So he could be validated. (laughs) So, no, but here's the thing. So Jacob, you have very, very sensitive hearing in one ear because it's your one good ear. Your other ear, you don't hear so well. Yeah. But but what got me was that it's a household rule that everybody in the household has to wear hearing protection when running the vacuum. Well, you know, it became a rule because I did it and therefore the kids started doing it. And then it was like when mom was vacuuming and didn't have hearing protection on, the kids yelled at mom. Like, mom, where where are your earmuffs? She's like, oh, my bad. And so now it's just a thing. Like everyone wears earmuffs when we vacuum. (laughs) I think, you know what? I think it's great. There's no harm at all. I I like to make fun of you for it, but there is zero harm in protecting our hearing, right? Yeah, it's not. I mean, yeah. What we looked it up this morning. It's not. It's it's under a hundred decibels, so it's not like crazy loud. But yeah, it's yeah, it's loud. You know, I, in my past construction life, I was OSHA thirty hour certified, and one of the things was understanding you know certain decibel levels and how how long you can sustain that level of of noise safely, right? So I definitely know that. I think you said about let's say eighty decibels on the high end for a vacuum cleaner. You can sustain that all day long, no no harm to your hearing, but there's no harm in, in wearing. Doesn't it. mean doesn't mean it can't hurt my ears. Sure. So anyway, um, today's episode is brought to you by New Bold Dummy Ammo. Good stuff. Uh, today's episode is about all about dummy ammo for dummies. Everything you wanted to know and probably then some about dummy or training ammunition, uh, and, and by training I mean. The, the dummy stuff. Uh, what's a common term? Snap caps. But that's a that's a brand name. Yeah, right? we're going to get into that. And we're going to talk about that brand today. And in a general sense, people just refer to snap caps. But uh, we're going to talk today about dummy ammunition. 
All right, so it'll be a good episode. And we have one of the best deals on dummy ammo at concealedcarry.com. So head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash dummy rounds. All one word, dummy rounds. Concealedcarry.com forward slash dummy rounds for one of the best deals on dummy ammo around. <laughs> so, and then also right now we have a special uh, sale going on. We call it the buy this, get that sale. And, uh, yeah, there's lots of great store uh, products in our store. We have some things that are like overstock or things we're just kind of trying to get rid of. And uh, you can pick up some really great deals on some, some products. And everything on this in this sale, if you buy it, you're going to get something else along with it, which is pretty cool. So concealedcarry.com forward slash BTGT. Yeah, buy this, get that BTGT. <laughs> And it's pretty cool, too, because if you spend a minimum of $25, you automatically can get a free little flashlight and little armory tool. And if you spend as much as $175, you can get a free $50 gift card to SSPIWear, in addition to the other free thing you get when you buy something. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I dig it. Good stuff. So anyway, take advantage of those special offers uh, this time. Uh, and uh, by doing so, you support this podcast and make this possible for us to be able to keep doing this on a weekly, twice a week basis. So with that, um, uh, yeah, I think we're just going to get into it, right? So all about dummy rounds for, or dummy ammo for dummies. Yep. So let's start, Riley, with a little definition time. So at the, at the most root of dummy ammo, how would we define it? Um. It's a round that is it. It doesn't have a brain. <laughs> yeah, it can, it can cycle in the gun uh, like a real round, but it's inert. It yeah. doesn't fire. It's a, it's a dumb round. It's dumb. It doesn't have a brain. <laughs> I don't know where where You're dummy round moron. came from. Like it, I, I think know. it's kind of funny, right? You know, you yeah. have a live round, stupid rounds. Like that, yeah. that. Honestly, that's the distinction, right? You have a live round and a dummy round. Like that's basic. You know, so we so- could call it dead ammo. We maybe we should have gone with dead, the opposite of live. <laughs> But uh, so yeah, dummy ammo is something that's shaped like uh, and operates to some degree, cycles through the gun like live ammunition, but it is inert. Yep. Uh, meaning it it doesn't fire, it has no charge, and it, there's no projectile coming out of the gun. And there are a variety of different ways that they are designed and built. There's a decent number of companies out there that make them. Probably a couple that are like the big players. But uh, for example, you can buy them that are just 100% plastic. Just, you know, one big orange plastic piece. And, uh, yeah, pretty pretty straightforward, you know, what those look like. Some of them are more durable plastics than others, but that's that's out there. You can buy those. You can buy things that are traditional shell casings, you know, brass or steel or whatever. And, you know, like a polymer is filled in to act as like the bullet itself inside of the, the shell casing. Um, you can buy a complete aluminum piece, like something that's one solid piece of metal that is shaped like, like a, like a round. So there's lots of different, you know, ways that these things are made or manufactured. I know a lot, I've seen, you know, it's, it's not totally uncommon for people to take a live round and drill out the primer cup, empty the powder, and just use that. You know, they're, they're you know, taking an existing live round and just making it inert. Yeah. No, definitely. I've known, I've known people that have made their own. In fact, I've made my own dummy rounds before. Uh, as a reloader, you have every component you need to do that. And, you know, why not? Like, it's really easy to use 
an actual bullet and just put it in an empty case and away you go. I even experimented at one time thinking I was being pretty clever and I, I took a piece of rubber and cut it to size and stuck it in the primer cup, you know. Uh, that was back when I thought that dry firing a lot with something like a Glock might damage the firing pin without something there. And I think that's utterly false and especially in the case of a Glock. But anyway, so let's talk about just for fun. Let's, let's touch on the, uh, you know, this idea of making your own dummy ammo though. Right. Riley. Cause I think there's a disadvantage when you make your own dummy ammo out of a live round simply because it's harder to differentiate from the live ammo. Oh, I don't disagree. Um, yeah, other than having to look at the primer cup itself. Uh, where did I put that dummy around? Here we are. You know, other than looking at, at this end of it, you know, and going, oh, hey, there's nothing there, or it's a piece of rubber or whatever. Like, yeah, there was definitely no easy way. And actually what I ended up doing is I took a, like a red permanent marker and, you know, because red means what? Like, I don't know, training sort of thing, like a cert pistol, whatever. And I just colored the bottom, the case head of the round red. And that was that was a little bit easier. I didn't want to put it on the sides of the case because I knew that was just going to wear off in no time at all. Um, and that was just one really quick, simple, easy way of, you know, I could identify things. And I didn't, it's not like I did a whole lot of that. I made like, I don't know, three or four of these just for kicks and giggles and to have something that, that cycled that was more realistic in terms of weight, right? Because, I mean, that is one thing, no matter what, no matter how you slice and dice this conversation today, Jacob, that none of these dummy rounds we're going to be talking about weigh anything close to a real round. Yeah, unless you take a real round and make it inert. Even then, it's going yep. to be slightly lighter by the nature of not having the powder, right? Yeah, we're, it's, 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 mi- it's minimal. Like 0.2 sure. grams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but A, if you're lazy like me, you don't want to make your own ammo. Uh, or if you're concerned that you might be, you know, mistake your dummy rounds as live rounds or vice versa, then yeah. you're buying, you know, Dummy ammo is, is a good good way to go. So let's let's talk uh, vocabulary. What's what's the story, Riley, between snap caps and dummy ammo? What, what's what's a snap cap, and is what yep. you know, what's that all about? So there's a company uh, known as Azoom, and Lyman, I believe, now owns them. Mm-hmm, correct. And uh, they trademarked the name snap caps. The idea being that I don't know. It's actually kind of a clever name, you know. Like it's. Sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of rolls off the tongue, snap cap. And uh, that's kind of, I don't know, I guess that their way of describing what you were doing when you used it. I mean, you stuck it in there and you're going to get a snap, a click maybe on instead a, of a bang. On the cap. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, they and I've got some here. These are the uh, 45 ACP snap caps uh, from Azoom. And uh, so, yeah, I've got quite a few of these laying around and they're okay. They, they get the job done, but... Not not my not my first choice anymore. There's lots of really great options now, but anyway, I, but I'm not meaning to become, compare anything yet. Just just identifying this is what a snap cap is officially by trademark sure. name. It's like uh, it's kind of like the Kleenex of dummy ammunition. Uh, yeah. You know, a Kleenex is to facial tissue, as the snap cap has become to dummy ammo. Or you know, anymore you see people using the word snap cap to refer to any dummy ammunition, even though snap cap is a very specific product trademarked by you know, the company that makes that product. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, but the snap cap is definitely very easy to distinguish. I got you know, some nine millimeter ones right here. It's a solid piece of aluminum painted sort of like a, what, like maroon. 
right. ask. Yeah. 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 I call it like maroon. Yeah. I'm not even sure. I mean, why this color? Why? And actually, uh, I, I just discovered recently on their website, they actually make a blue version and they call it, it's, yeah, it's kind of do. a value line, I guess. It's a little yeah. bit cheaper. I'm not sure well, I would, why. I would prefer the blue and, and we'll talk, we can talk about this I, now. I would we too. We can talk about it later these, too, but these don't show up very good. They're they're kind of dark. That's the issue is that when you're using dummy ammunition, at, especially in a live environment at the at a, at a live range, and they go into the dirt, you know, dummy ammo costs money, and so you want to be able to pick that thing up out of the dirt when you're done and retrieve it. And these maroon things, I mean, not that they're invisible or that they like are camoed or something, but the blue would be better for sure. Yeah. Hey. I, I'm just gonna have to view comments on my phone today, man, and uh, I, I, <laughs> I well, have to bring I, it up right now because Stephanie says yes, it's super weird. Sorry, Jacob. Hashtag mom life. A lot of people say it's weird. Okay, um, Michael said though that he thinks that I just hate to vacuum so much that I wear hearing protection to pretend I'm at the range instead. And these comments so, are great. You know, now Jay, Jay says he <laughs> wears safety glasses when he's cooking bacon. And he wonders if that's weird. And I frankly think that's genius. I'm all over that. Usually when I'm cooking bacon, I'm it's in the morning and I, I, I wear glasses and contacts. And in the morning I I don't usually get contacts until like nine or ten AM. So anyway, uh let's see. Yeah. Oh, and Michael Lovett comments, inert ammo ammo. That's yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Inert ammo. It's not gonna do anything. And also that it's kind of like Velcro. Velcro is the brand name, right? But that's what we all call it. Um, loop tape or uh, hook and loop, right? Yeah, yep. so dummy ammo. All right, so what's next, Jacob? Did we get all the definitions out of the way? And, and the vocabulary. Yeah, I think I think we're good there. So let's talk about uh, uses. You know, let's Maybe let's start with dry fire applications and why a person would want to have dummy ammo for dry fire. And then maybe we can go into some live fire. Yeah. All right, so uses. Um, I love practicing malfunctions, okay? Because it's, yeah, I think it's good to practice. It is something that does occur. How often does it occur during a self-defense, you know, a DGU shooting? I don't know. I don't know if we even have any data on that. Probably not. Um, I'm even trying to think of some law enforcement shootings where I'm aware that it, I'm sure it's happened. I just can't think of anything, right? But I do compete. I, I compete competitively shoot quite a bit, and I've had some malfunctions occur when I'm when I'm shooting, and I've had malfunctions occur when I'm training. Obviously, it can happen in in the real world, so it's a good thing to practice. Dummy rounds or inert ammo, per Michael Lovett, is uh, is great because it allows you to do those those drills uh, and to do it safely. One thing that's challenging to always practice is the double feed. And with dummy rounds, you can set that up very easily and safely in the comfort of your home, and you can work that out. A, dumb, a double feed malfunction or a failure to extract is is the most challenging malfunction to clear, and it's something, especially if you shoot a P365, <laughs> all the malfunctions I've had on my P365 have been double feeds, and that's, per many reports, is fairly common. So I've had lots of opportunities to clear those double feed malfunctions, but it's not something that many shooters are actually good at doing. So that's that's the first use case, Jacob, is using dummy rounds to clear malfunctions. And to make sure that that's clear why that works or why dummy ammunition is fantastic for that reason is because you know some malfunctions, a lot of malfunctions are just bad rounds, 
right? It's a failure to fire. In the right. case of a failure to fire, isn't a dummy round like the perfect way to mimic a failure to fire? Because a dummy round is like a, a bad round that just doesn't fire, right? And yep. so that that's a perfect example of how that, yeah, you know, why that makes sense. Well, and when you're doing live fire training, that, that's a, another great way to use dummy rounds is to randomly insert. And it's great if you have a friend that can do it for you so you don't know when to, when to expect it. And you can load up a bunch of live rounds and a couple of dummies into a magazine like this. In my Glock 17, I'm holding this up here. And uh, so I've got a, a dummy round in the chamber right now. And uh, yeah, you're going to do what? You're going to pull a trigger at some point and you're going to get a click instead of a bang. And the proper clearing procedure or immediate action drill is tap and rack and clear it. Now, I have no idea where that went. <laughs> it's over there on your desk somewhere. Yeah, so dummy rounds can be very, very effective to that degree. Now, here's the other kind of secret thing that, or I shouldn't say secret, but important thing that dummy rounds do. And that is that the dummy round allows you to cycle a new round into the chamber without slide lock. Yeah. And this this matters because if, if you if you are running a, an empty mag, uh, with with no you know with no ammunition at all, and you practice a malfunction clearing or anything at all that that involves racking a slide, let alone reloading a new mag into it. When you rack that slide, you're going to have slide lock. Yeah. Now, in in a real situation, if I had real ammunition, I wouldn't have slide lock, would I? And so that this is not mimicking real life. And in fact, it could potentially create a training scar if I then have to you know release the slide lock and let the slide forward. And so by by using dummy ammunition in the magazine, I am ensuring that I'm mimicking to the best of my ability, a real situation where I'm not going to have slide lock and the, the, the slide's going to go forward into battery. Uh, uh, here's another thought about dummy ammunition, and that would be simply a function check. Sure. You know, so when I get done, like when I take apart a gun, I put the gun back together. Uh, maybe I'm doing some cleaning or maintenance, whatever it might be. Maybe I've swapped out a part. I want to do a function check. I want to make sure that gun still works. Now, obviously, I'm going to take it to the range and shoot it with some live ammo before I start carrying that thing around, just depending on what kind of maintenance I've been doing. But it's real easy to just quickly put a couple of dummies in a magazine, feed that thing into the gun, and just quickly do do uh, a, a function check to make sure it's working. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously, we wouldn't expect a dummy round being used in the f- as a function check as far as like a measure as to whether the gun's cycling rounds reliably or not. Like that's not what the, what the point would be. The point would be that. It's an opportunity to load up some 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 rounds, cycle them through the gun, pull the trigger several times, uh, make sure everything's functioning as it as it's supposed to. And one thing too that, especially if these rounds are a little bit newer, uh, but you can always just use like a little. Uh, and I don't, I have no idea where that. And that was the only. <laughs> I don't know where all my dummy rounds are right now. I actually have quite a few. I've got some two twenty three right here, and I've got a bunch of forty five ACP that I don't have a 45 handy. So I, I anyway, I, I ejected my only nine millimeter round just a second ago and it literally flew somewhere. So, um, but what I was going to mention that, especially in the case of the Azum brand or the, uh, new bold ones, which are fairly new to market. And that's what we primarily sell in our online store is you can actually take a little marker or something and color that little rubber, whatever silicone insert thing. And that's in place of the primer and you can use that. You'll see a little mark, uh, a fresh mark in that uh, 
marker, you know, that, that colored, whatever. Yeah. Uh, where the firing pin strikes. Yeah. You'll see that. So that, that's another, you know, you can use that to make sure that the firing pins function like it should, that it's impacting the way it should, you know, you can see that when these things are new and you see the indentation from the firing pin, but as they get a little bit more worn, it gets a little bit harder to discern whether that's a fresh strike or just, you know, it's wear and tear. So a little marker on the base there will give you a little bit of an indication. Mm-hmm. So function checks, great idea. Yeah. Now let's, let's, let's talk about, uh, I'm going to call it the elephant in the room and I don't know if I can get away with calling it the elephant in the room or not, but there has been for many and many a year, uh, this consideration, this concern, this drama, these, you know, I'll call it rumor or reality that dry firing a gun in such a way that there's nothing in the chamber that the firing pin is just coming forward and striking dead air can potentially damage that firing pin and gun. Now, a second ago, Riley, you kind of referred, you, you alluded to this, you referred to it, and I think you said, uh, you said something to the effect of, I think it's mostly hot air, but I do think we need, to, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this idea that the firing pin coming forward and striking dead air potentially could or could not damage the firing pin. So let's, let's hash that out real quick, and, and based on you know, where we come out of that, we can talk about what, what role dummy ammo plays. Yeah. So, yeah, I said I think it's, yes, mostly hot air. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I watched a video uh, a couple of years ago, actually, that kind of changed a lot of my own personal thoughts on this. And I know it's, it's not like you can trust everything you see on the internet, right? But if you see something or watch something or have a discussion and, like, use that critical thinking part of your brain and you reason everything out and you go, you know what? That makes sense. And it's a gunsmith on YouTube that, you know, apparently has worked on thousands of rifles and shotguns and handguns. And he says, you know, if dry firing breaks firing pins and breaks guns and stuff, then uh, we as gunsmiths are probably... Like we should be breaking stuff all the time because as a gunsmith, his point is, is that he is frequently working on guns that, you know, he has to cycle them and make sure they work. You know, he's trying to repair them. And in the course of doing his work as a gunsmith, and this is true for decades and decades, he is cycling the gun and pulling the trigger, dry firing all the time. Right. And he's like, basically in my career, I have broken or I've seen one broken firing pin that resulted of that. And so the point being that can it break a firing pin? Maybe, and probably only on certain guns um, and in certain conditions. Um, now, as a armorer, I'm a Glock armorer and a SIG P320 armorer, and it's a question that I've asked of armorer trainers many times, and it's just something that I think doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but I asked the question that is, if I dry fire this Glock or my P320 or whatever, is it going to damage the firing pin? And the answer is no, that's ridiculous. Uh, I would say that in modern firearm technology, especially modern uh, pistols, handguns, that you got nothing to worry about. Now, I know that there's some guys out there who probably disagree with me, but you know, I have my own personal experience, I think, supports this to a degree. I have dry fired probably thousands of times this very Glock 17 right here. I do it all the time. And most of the time, I'll be honest, most of the time, the dry fire I do, 
I don't actually use dummy rounds most of the time for dry fire practice. I use dummy rounds for practicing everything I just told you earlier, malfunction clearing, uh, reloading mags and not wanting to, you know, uh, you know, if you're practicing a combat reload, right? You want to have your slide lock back. You want to dump an empty and you want to put a live, you know, a, a loaded magazine in the gun so that as you do that, it's going to cycle the way you want it to, right? If I'm only practicing mag reloads in a dry fire scenario and I'm doing it with empty mags, then I'm going to not be able to, you know, just grasp that slide and release it like I normally would as part of the reload procedure. So I'll use snap caps or dummy rounds for that purpose, for practicing reloads. But the fact is that thousands and thousands of times I press the trigger on my Glocks, my SIGs and whatever else, dry fire them all the time they still work. All right. So I think people get overly concerned about firing pin damage when used, you know, when, when not using a dummy round. Um, now does it hurt to have a snap cap or a dummy round that has something that will protect the firing pin? Certainly that can't hurt. So why not? Um, and if that's your thing, then okay, that's cool. Like I'm not going to beat you up because you believe that dry firing your gun is going to damage the firing pin. Okay, whatever, dude. Doesn't bother me any. Doesn't affect me at all. But I will be clear in saying that I don't think there's an issue there. Now, older guns, more classic design of guns. I'm a little bit more. I don't know. I still dry fire this 1911 all the time without snap caps in it. But I, I do tend to probably be a little bit more. And there's no particular like logical or uh, rational reason why, but on a cl- more on an older design gun, I tend to use snap caps more. Um, speaking of which, I went and grabbed my 1911 so I could use my 45 ACP dummies here. <laughs> so um, basically, I think it's a myth. Um, and I think maybe one time in a hundred thousand, you might have somebody's gun that's damaged by dry firing without some sort of dummy round protecting the firing pin. And if that's the case, then that's a very, very small percentage. And I think it's irrational to say, well, because there is this very, very slight chance that could damage the firing pin, thus I must use dry fire or snap caps. Um, I think that's kind of irrational. Like anything in life can damage stuff. Just picking up my gun and working the slide, you know, in theory, eventually can damage something, you know? I mean, like there's always this off chance that something just gets a little bit out of alignment and breaks on you. That's that's the nature of handling mechanical objects. Wow. Riley's got some strong feelings about this. That was, that was quite quite the uh, speech, bro. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm just telling you what I think. <laughs> no apology required. Yeah, you know, what we have seen is a lot of manufacturers have come out with, uh, I'll call them disclaimers, because, you know, they, they ultimately have to say to themselves, okay, do we think some of this, you know, the dry fire in the gun is going to damage fire pin? Uh, we mostly don't think so. But if there's any chance that it debatably could, then we'll put in some disclaimer and, and that will you know, relieve us from potential liability. Like, here's the one. What, what, what would be the one, like, for sure? Uh, actually, so let me clarify one, two other things. Okay. What would be the one for sure thing that I would not recommend you dry fire uh, without a snap cap? I would say don't do that with revolvers made before like 1980. Let's just I'm just I'm I'm pulling that number out of my out of my butt. <laughs> but old revolvers I would recommend not dry firing necessarily, although I think it's probably still a little bit 
uh, blown out of proportion, but definitely like a classic single action. If you have, especially if you have a collectible firearm, I probably would not, you know, why not take a little extra precaution when it, where it's uh, collectible. The second sure. thing that people will usually point to is, well, what about 22 long rifle? And mm. um, now <clears throat> that there is something to that, to a degree, I would definitely say that old 22s, meaning probably once again, but before 1980, before 1970, somewhere, you know, let's say 50 plus years ago, uh, what happens is the firing pin on those rim fires, because that's by definition what it is. The firing pin is located on the rim of the round. It strikes the rim. The priming compound is in the rim of the shell that ignites it. That fires the bullet, right? So if there's no round there to impact, then that firing pin is going to strike the, basically where the the opening of the chamber is. Uh, so you have steel striking on steel instead of steel striking on brass. So there is something to that. And definitely, uh, um, I will say this much, Ruger 1022s and a lot of other kind of more modern 22s, this is not so much of an issue. If you actually look carefully at the design of the firing pins on those, uh, they actually don't make contact with the steel of the receiver and the firing pin. Um, it's, it's kind of a, instead of it being just a, a flat blade that like old rimfire firing pins were made, they were basically just a flat blade that would just strike. And, and so if there was no round there, they would, they would impact right into the rear of the receiver. Um, the modern ones kind of have a cutout, uh, so that it doesn't, doesn't do that. So modern 22s, this is less of an issue, but even still, even in the old days, think about this, this and this makes some sense. Um, if you had an old lever action, 22, um, or even a bolt action or some of the, I mean, just a lot of times in the old days with 22 long rifle guns, there was not like a last round hold open or, you know, there was no indication as to when you actually ran out of rounds, right? You would just cycle that gun and fire and then eventually you'd get a click and, oh, I'm out. Right, unless you happen to be counting, or you just you look at your chamber every time, but people don't necessarily do that all the time. So there's plenty of examples, even in the old days, where people are cycling 22s, especially like an old lever action, and they're going to get to that last round, they're going to fire it, and they're they're going to think they chamber the next one, and they click. They're, in other words, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of 22 rifles that have and, and pistols probably too that have been fired, dry fired, and not necessarily with any sort of perceptible wear and tear unless it's done thousands of times. Does that make sense? So even in cases of 22s, I think we we are a little bit hypersensitive about the dry fire without a snap cap issue. It, it's maybe when you do it thousands of times that you're going to have an issue. Sure, sure. Okay. I was going to mention uh, a disclaimer on the Glock website. It says, it is okay to dry fire your Glock pistol, but in situations where the pistol will be subjected to continuous sessions of dry firing, the use of a snap cap or dummy round is recommended. Sig says so the, a, Sig yeah, says that's, the that's exact same thing. Yep, that's um, a standard disclaimer that, in my mind, is really meant to cover potential legal liability. Uh, in the same way that you know, my ladder says, "Don't do not stand on top step." Uh, not because the yep. ladder will immediately fall apart, but because you know, on the off chance someone does something stupid or something bad happens, they're, they're going to cover. It's their a butt. disclaimer that an attorney said, "Hey, you know what? This is a good idea to have." Yeah. Um, yep. But you talk to any knowledgeable armor, especially on Glock or Sig pistols, and they'll say, mm, you really don't have a whole lot there to worry about. Now, that said, here's my take. Um, my take is 
Hey, I believe you, Riley, and I believe all the other people out there say there's nothing to worry about. Uh, I've, you know, the SIG course uh, I took, the Glock Armor course I took, I was told no big deal. But I'm definitely a kind of better safe than sorry guy. And, guy, and since, I, since I have dummy ammunition for several other purposes, and anytime I'm doing any like serious dry fire practice. I mean, if I just pick up a gun, I'm gonna do some quick dry fire. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to grab all my stuff, but if I'm going to take 20 minutes and really do some dry fire training, then I have my laser inserts here. I got my barrel block. I got my mag block. I got my dummy ammo. And so, it, you know, I'm just inclined to load up a mag or two of dummy ammo when I do some of my, some of those drills, uh, because I can, because it's already there because I'm using it to do other things too. So my two cents uh, on that would be if, if you have dummy ammo, then you could use it. And if you have any concerns that you could be damaging the gun with dry fire, then the dummy ammo would solve that problem. Better safe than sorry, says the man who wears hearing protection when he vacuums. <laughs> oh, you're starting to get a picture in the hood. So no, I don't we're, we're cool, bro. Like I basically already said that too, right? That yeah, yeah, you know, there's cool. obviously cool. no harm in using snap caps or dummy no. ammo when dry firing, and so why not? And the the why not for me is a lot of times I'm just lazy, you know, like sure. uh, you know, like right now I don't even know where my nine millimeter dummy rounds are. Like I know I packaged them all up and took them to a class or something. Actually, I know I took them to Cincinnati, and I don't remember where they where they ended up. <laughs> <laughs> So let's do this. Uh, let's transition a little bit. Let's talk about um, features of different you know, products that are on the market, things to yep. look for, things to look out for, uh, loves, hates. You know, let's go there. Yeah. Um, okay. So features. Um, here, you know, let me pick on Azoom just a little bit. Um, one of my number one things that I dislike about the Azoom snap caps from uh, Lyman is that I... I don't know that they actually make any out there that are actually true to shape and form. You look at this 45 and the bullet's stunted. And I'm like, why? Why why is that the case? You know, like so like that that to me is actually I mean that's a very nitpicky thing maybe for some people, but for me it's like why couldn't we just make, you know, here's here's an example of an ST Action Pro version. Um, and these, these use a true brass case and actually it's a nickel plated case, which I think is a very nice choice of them because it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit more durable than a standard brass case. And, uh, we have a plastic inserted bullet. Basically, I think they fill this whole, uh, shell casing with plastic with this mold and, uh, it's true to form. So it's going to work in your magazines the same way that, that a live round would, if you know it feels about the same, it cycles about the same, you know it works pretty well. But but on the flip side, so talking about features once again, and I'll turn it over to you because I know you got some other thoughts. Is that you know in the case of the A Zoom, it has this little I don't know rubber or whatever insert thing in, in the primer cup area, and the ST Action has this orange plastic protruding through, but it's hollow in the center where the firing pin is strike. So, you know, for those that are concerned about firing pin longevity, uh, the ST action pro is not an ideal choice in that regard. So I like, I like the ST action pro ones in that they are true to shape, true to form, uh, use a real brass case. They actually, I think these are a little bit longer lasting than the a zoom. Okay. The ST action, cause it's a real brass case. For some reason, I feel like this aluminum is just, it wears and tears a little bit faster. But these ones will protect your firing pin, Jacob. So, so that and that's just talking about two of them. I'm not even talking about the new bold ones. But that's a couple of features. Like, is it, you know, the, the correct size and shape, um, and does it have some of these other features like the firing pin or the prime, prime, primer cup filled or whatever? I don't know what you call that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So prop, proper shape, size, et cetera. That's a really easy thing to distinguish once you're holding it in your hand. I have here the nine millimeter uh, A-Zoom snap caps and they look pretty legit to me. In fact, I'm holding it next to uh, the ST Action Pro and the new Bold and they look very, very co- comparable. In but shape hold it up size. there. I want to see a little closer. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, you got to say something. So it's, yeah. Uh, I mean, go. it's kind of hard for people to see. Yeah. Same, it's same a height. little bit stunted, actually. And, a little and, bit, and the maybe. shape is, it's like more like a, a it's got a steeper shoulder yeah. to it. You know what I mean? Like, it's little, I mean, the 45 is definitely like way off base. Like, sure, it's, it's sure. all like, you know, it's like an eighth inch shorter. It's just, I don't know why they decided to make them for maybe whatever Maybe it reason. costs less, Riley. Yeah, I don't so, know. So, yeah, I think that's important. I think what you said about the primer cup, if you're a person who's concerned at all about potential damage to the firearm and the firing pin specifically, then you want to be using dummy ammo that has something in the primer cup. And to your point, uh, we like ST Action Pro as a company. They make a decent product when it comes to their dummy ammo. But that would be the first and easiest thing to point at and say, hey, what the crap? Uh, the primer cup is is in fact hollow, and the firing pin has nothing to strike. Yeah, uh, so that's that's the nature of the beast on ST Action Pro. Now you were talking about the you know your dislike of the shape on the snap cap, and you started to allude to concerns about the quality of the actual material. These snap caps are made out of aluminum, and uh, here's one. You know, I'm 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 holding one in my hand that's basically brand new. I mean, it's been it's maybe yeah. it's you know been cycled you know thirty or so times through the gun. And when they're brand and, new, they look great. Yeah, it looks fantastic. But even even with only 30, 40 cycles on the gun, right around that rim, uh, you can definitely still see you can see where the paint has been chipped off. And where is that paint that's been chipped off, Riley? Yeah, it's, it's it, in my gun. It, it ends up in the gun somewhere. Yeah, it's in the gun. Now, now to be fair, when you cycle repeatedly brass cases, little little tiny you know s- shavings and slivers of brass also chip off and end up in your gun. But, sure. But I expect brass shavings and stuff to end up in my gun i don't expect paint or and i don't even know what it is like supposedly it's anodized but it doesn't really act like anodized looks like paint yeah it like, acts like it, it kind of chips off and, and stuff at least from what i've seen here's yeah. my, here's my bigger issue i'm holding it up here on the screen i know that those listening only can't can't see this but i'm holding up the a zoom one and you know where where the uh where the top of the you know where the rim not the rim but the, the where the shell opening, would end the opening of the casing right where that would be, um, and I I don't know if it's a little bit out of spec I don't know exactly why it does this but as you re, as you repeatedly chamber these a zoom snap caps that gets chewed up as well, and what I what and this is documented. In fact, I've seen it happen. I've had it happen to my own. And so what eventually happens is as you repeatedly cha- chamber these A zoom ones, they're going in there and chunk, 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 chunk. And it kind of hammers back a little bit this this um where the edge of you know where the bullet meets the casing basically. And you it ends up actually sometimes creating a rim of aluminum that sometimes has been known to eventually get shaved off and you get like a ring like actually stuck in the chamber of your gun from these snap caps. And it's kind of bizarre. Uh, I'm not sure why that happens. I'm not sure why, what about the manufacturing of this has, has made that so that's possible. But what I do know is we don't get that with these other competing products. Yeah. So, 
when it comes to longevity, if we're if we are looking at you know, you and I are kind of talking about three major brands. We're talking about the snap caps from Azoom, we're talking about the ST Action Pro dummy ammunition, and we're talking about the new bold uh, dummy rounds. And if we're looking at these three, if we're talking purely about longevity and durability, snap caps from Azoom would probably be at our bottom of our list because you know, even though on the surface it would appear that they would they would last forever because they're one solid piece of metal, it's aluminum. The shavings come off. The rims are known to come off in in in, in one piece, uh, and and they just chip. Uh, so yeah. they're they're our least favorite. Yep, I agree. Um, speaking of longevity, there is another brand that we haven't talked about, and I don't have them, and I don't think you do either. And that's the plastic ones that are made by. Oh. I have some somewhere. I'm trying to think who who those are made by. Um, I don't know, but you either, know the ones I'm talking about. Yeah, they're about. just like, solid plastic. It's, it's it's a molded plastic, and inside it's got a spring that actually is attached to the primer piece. And each time that the firing pin strikes that, it actually there's a little bit of resistance, and that spring allows that to go in, and it retracts. Now, actually, I. I know some guys that that think those are great snap caps, and they probably are. I've never actually really used them. But here's what I do know about that product. They're actually rated for how many times you can use them. Um, And I think it's like a 1,000 or 2,000 times or something. And basically, like, you can expect they're going to crack, they're going to break, or the primer thing no longer functions like it should. But it's they're literally, like, rated for a certain number of times of use. The Azim ones, I would also say, you can expect... I don't know how many times. It's probably a fair number of times um, before they wear out um, and the rims just get so chewed up that they that they stop using. But I'll tell you, I have cycled these ST Action Pro and also the new Bold brand ones, which are both using a real brass casing many, 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 many times. And they seem to show a lot less wear and tear than the Azum or those plastic ones which are only rated for a certain number of times of uses. So my belief is, and I don't have like super awesome empirical, you know, statistical data and evidence to support this, but anecdotally from experience and use, I believe the ST action and these new, new bold ones, um, I think are, are your two players in terms of longevity. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now uh, a couple and, other interesting, and these are not, thoughts. these are not cheap products either, right? No, no. For what you get. We can get into cost here in a minute because I think that's noteworthy. But um, I was going to talk about color because the ST Action Pro, primarily you have a steel casing and an orange um, bullet, right? Not steel casing. It's a brass. Oh, sure. Yeah. My bad. Brass casing with a orange polymer insert. It's a very hard polymer. Very, very hard. Now, some calibers you can buy yellow like nine millimeter. When you go to the ST Action Pro website, you can buy it in yellow uh, or orange, but most calibers are only available in orange. Uh, so that's that's what you get there. Uh, but the Newbold rounds, currently, the, you know, Newbold is just barely getting into the dummy round ammo business. And so right now you can only buy nine millimeter and it's orange, but their plan, at least what I've been told, is that different calibers, calibers will be different colors. So maybe 380 auto will be white and 45 will be black or blue or something, um, and you know, et cetera. So that that's kind of their plan. But I think color does matter. If you know that you know it's easier to see something in the dirt for you than it is a different color, then that might be something that might guide you in trying to 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 pick something out. Uh, yep. Yeah. Well, we 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 talked about that a little bit ago, and I'll tell you this dark color of these Azum brand ones. This is these are 
murderous if you lose these in like carpet and stuff, unless your carpet's very light colored. Um, they just disappear. And uh, they disappear in dirt too because they get a little bit of a coating of dust or whatever on that surface and it just it turns into a dirt color it's almost. It's like camo. Um, yeah. The blue ones would probably be a little bit better, but they're still kind of darkly colored. I, I do like bright colors. I like this bright orange, the ST Action. I like the bright orange of the 9mm uh, uh, New Bold ones. Um, if they have yellow and stuff, like that's probably fine too. But I, I frankly would probably just prefer to see everything be orange you know, bright safety orange. Cause I think that's probably the most likely chance that you'll see it at the same time. I think it kind of could be, you know, like, I think it could make sense to have a different color for different calibers. Sometimes I have confused the 40, the forties with the 45s. Like, you know, as you're just like, look, you're like, you're looking through packages like this and you're like, which ones are those? Oh, you know, you have to look at them closely. Mm-hmm. Color would definitely make that identification really easy. Yeah. Yeah. I just carry around a little bag full of dummy ammo and uh, some of it's very obvious, you know, like, oh, these are the shotgun shells. Uh, but yeah, it, it, there's something to be said for that. Um, I think let's get to price. And that might be the last kind of thing I wanted to touch on. So yeah. one night, I, I'll quickly say this. We're going to compare prices on packs of five because that's how the Azum are sold. That's mostly how the new bold are sold, though you can buy them uh, from different uh, vendors, you can, if you buy them in higher quantities, you can get them cheaper. That's certainly true uh, on our website. But let's we'll just assume we're comparing packs of five. But before we throw out prices, I do think it's noteworthy to say that the ST Action Pro is the only one of the ones we've been mentioning that you can buy just one. You can go to xtactionpro.com and you can say, I just want one nine millimeter round. Right. It's like a dollar or something. And and they'll ship it to you. Yeah, who knows what you pay for shipping for the one. But that yeah, is kind of yeah. kind of cool. I mean, you can literally yeah, order nice. whatever quantity you want from them. Yeah, it's yeah. a good feature. Yeah. yeah. So, but let's assume you're buying a pack of five uh, without shipping. This, you know, the, the ones we've been talking about, the Azum Snap Caps, a pack of five, $17.98. That's that's MSRP. Woo. Yeah. And that's been the one thing for a long time. I mean, for a long time, Azum was about that your was only it. player. And mm-hmm. I think they kind of had a hold on the market and they still do. I mean, like you walk into any bricks and mortar store, like that's what you're going to find on the shelves is those Azum ones. And that's cool. That's fine. I'm glad people are buying a, a training product like that if they do. But there's a lot of other competitors out there now. And price is a big thing. Uh, ST Action Pro is pretty reasonably priced, I, I think, especially if, if you order in quantity. Um, but we've been selling the New Bold ones. We've been one of the first to bring the New Bold uh, branded uh, dummy rounds to market. Um they are very, very, very competitively priced. I mean, what do we have those priced for on our store? Yep. So a pack of five of the new bolt, six dollars and sixty cents. Jeez. I mean, compare yeah. that to, you know, more than ten dollars or seventeen or whatever. You know, like that's that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. You can yep. buy like three packages of the new bold brand ones for like the same price of Azum. Yeah. Yeah. And the ST Action Pro, not to knock on them, because in, you know, in addition to being able to sold individually, they're also pretty affordable. Yep. Uh, a pack of five, they, they, I think they vary a little bit by caliber, but a pack of five of the nine millimeters is $5.10. Uh, so depending on what caliber you're buying, ST Action Pro may be the, the most cost effective or not. Um, I, you know, we're, I'm a little biased, I suppose, in part because we sell new bold. We also do sell the Azum ones, but, but we do not sell at ST Action Pro. It's just not something we've been able to get done uh, with, with that company. No, no fault to the, to them specifically. I think they're a fine company. Uh, but 
so I'm a little bit biased. I prefer the new bold and Azium because we sell it. But uh, I also think that the new bold product is my favorite product all around. Not only is it a lot more economic, I think it's as durable as anything, and it does have the full primer cup. If if I have any concern about that, then that's my better safe than sorry uh, with the new bold. Um, yep. I will. I was going to add just kind of this thought. All three of these companies, and I checked, all of three of them manufacture their product in the U.S. with U.S. Uh, su- su- you know, su- supplies, and they're all companies headquartered in the U.S. with U.S. employees. So that's kind of cool. All three of these that we've talked about, the Azoom, ST Action Pro, and New Bold, all American companies making an, an American product in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's not to like about that, right? Yeah, kind of cool. America. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Do we have anything else we got to talk about? I don't think so. I mean, that's the story on Dummy Ammo. Uh, we you know, obviously we'll put in our little last plug. You can find the Azoom and the New Bold rounds on our website at, at in what I believe to be the most competitive price you can find it at. The ST Action Pro rounds we've mentioned, we do not sell them, but stactionpro.com, I'm pretty sure is the website. I'm sure you could Google it if that's not it. And you can buy you know stuff there from, from them as well. And uh, yeah, the short of it is you need to have some dummy rounds. You know, go get them, have them. If you're an instructor, you should have them. If for no other reason than to be able to, you know, walk people through in a very safe way how to load, unload, cycle their gun. And for the rest of us, I think it's a it's a key tool for your live fire training to practice malfunctions. I think for dry fire, it's a key tool for practicing malfunctions and for reloads. So dummy ammunition, like get some, have it. Yeah. Totally. Well, we hope this episode was helpful for you today as uh, as you consider using or perhaps buying dummy rounds or inner ammunition. Um, yeah, check out uh, concealedcarry.com forward slash dummy rounds. That's a short link that'll get you. I mean, honestly, I'll be, I'll be honest, that takes you right to the New Bold brand ones, which I think for the money are just really, really, really hard to beat. And uh, we've got a crap load of those available in the warehouse. So, you know, order some up today. Uh, really, really aggressively priced. So I uh, hope that uh, you'll find that to be an added benefit to your dry fire practice routines. And also today's episode brought to you by our currently ongoing buy this, get that sale. Lots of great products, uh, discounted uh you know, to very competitive prices. Uh, some prices you probably won't see these at very often. And everything that's on this list of this buy, this, get, that sale uh, comes with some other bonus product. Uh, we got a lot of really great stuff. So concealedcarry.com forward slash BTGT. Buy this, get that. So I don't know that I got anything else, uh, Jacob, you? We're good, man. Cool. Well, that's that's a wrap for today's episode. A little bit shorter than you know some recent episodes, but uh, just wanted to do a quick little something about dummy or inert ammunition. And uh, so I hope that was this was helpful for you. We'll see you back here next week with our usual news episode. And I don't remember what we're talking about in the other episode next week, but promise you it'll be something good. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe, so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone. that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.